Clarence Talk and Dippin' Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Johannes, overlooking the beautiful sun-soaked lined road that is Lorraine on this beautiful day. It's absolutely gorgeous outside, but it's not so gorgeous in the United States. Or maybe it is, but it's probably not. I recorded uh, this podcast on Friday, or not, not this specific recording. But the topic that I'm addressing today, I already accorded on Friday, and I wasn't really pleased with it, and I'm glad I wasn't pleased with it, because more stuff happened, and I think that would just, yeah, it got local, closer to home, let's say. George Floyd was killed during his arrest for being suspected of using a fake $20 bill at a convenience store of sorts in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That is absolutely horrible. And here we are once again addressing police violence, addressing race issues, And then I guess a bunch of stuff gets lumped in, like it's like an avalanche. You know, first it's it's the race issue, then it's the police brutality, and then this, 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 and this, and it all blows up. And unfortunately, in in a good number of major cities around the country, it literally blew up. Buildings were burned, cars were burned. Windows smashed in, businesses destroyed, literally blew up. What happened to George Floyd was horrible, terrible, horrific. It was completely unnecessary, completely inappropriate, completely grotesque. It was murder. Since then, the officer has been arrested will be charged, and that's good. He should be. He failed at his job horribly, and a person died because of it. That's terrible. It should, that should never happen. Accidents happen, yes, but the killing of George Floyd was no accident. You don't have your knee on someone's neck for seven minutes, eight minutes, however long it was more than five minutes, while he's screaming, pleading for air, pleading for his mother. And, oh, yeah, it's an accident. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop it. You know, was that incident specifically because of George Floyd's race? I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to prove that unless the officer deliberately comes out and says, yeah, I did that because he was black. But what's behind it, you look at situations, and, and I hate the comparing game, but you almost have to do it in this situation. You know, you look at how, generally speaking, of course, how white people are arrested for heinous crimes versus how... Black people are arrested for not so heinous crimes. It, it doesn't make sense to me. 
everyone should be arrested the same way. Like in theory, I know it's not possible because sometimes people resist. Sometimes, you know, you're not in the same spot every time. It's not like you're knocking on somebody's door and said, hey, by the way, here's your, you know, uh, you're getting arrested. There's a warrant for your arrest. So here we go. I know that that's not how it works. So I want to, you know, put that out there right away. It's not how this works. But when it comes to upholding human dignity and not killing people while they're getting arrested, that should be pretty standard, in my opinion. That, that should be standard. Do I think law enforcement is tough? Yes, absolutely. I don't envy police officers at all. They have a tough job. Because they have to enforce the rules. No one wants to be the bad guy. (laughs) Most people, generally speaking, don't want to be the bad guy. But when you're getting caught doing something, the person that caught you is the bad guy. Because you don't want to be caught. You don't want to get in trouble. So, yeah, cops are police officers, law enforcement. They have a tough gig. Because it's not like they want to be seen. It's not like they show up and it's like, thank you. Sometimes it is, obviously, when people call on them for, for saving or protecting. Yeah, they're greeted as a hero. But many, many times, they're the bad guy. And that's unfortunate. But that's never going to change. Newsflash. The human condition means that there will always be situations where people will break the law, people will disagree with laws, people will sin. Surprise, surprise. And there will be people that are called upon to defend what is right, to promote the common good. In our legal system, that's the law enforcement They enforce the laws. So obviously when someone is breaking the laws or sinning, according to the state, they don't want to see the enforcers of the law because that means there's bad consequences for them. And unfortunately, we have developed a society that allows that attitude to exist where cops are seen as the bad guys. That's why we have this, you know, uh, Blue Lives Matter movement of sorts. Because cops shouldn't be seen as bad guys. Police officers should not be seen as bad guys. Again, this is, I'm speaking generalities here. However... There are the policing in this country is in trouble. Our society is a lot different than many others on the planet. I would argue that we are the most developed and most free society in the world. 
We're the most developed and most free society on the planet. That's my opinion. Our economic prowess, we're number one. Our military might, unrivaled. We have the first and second biggest air force. I mean, and that's just air power. We are unrivaled militarily. We have some, some rivals economically, mainly China. But we're on top. But we're also the most free country on the planet. And what do I mean by that? In other countries, I can speak from my German background, there's this general, and this is typical of Germans, I guess, stereotype, but there's this, this general, you know, we're all in this together mindset in terms of like living decent lives and following the law. People generally, there's, you know, you look at the two justice systems when you compare justice systems of, of the, of the develop, developed world, blah, 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 I can't talk today. Our America's justice system looks a lot different than most of the other major developed nations. And that's always puzzled me. As a country with the resources that we have here, that's always puzzled me. We don't have a rehabilitative model that we use. Are there pockets around the country that have that? Sure. But speaking about our justice system as a whole is not, rehabilitation is not the driving force. It's not. Our justice system is set up to try to prevent people from doing the crime because of how scary jail looks. You know, you have the scared straight programs <laughs> that we, you know, we expose uh, our teenagers to in various places. It's supposed to, you know, the, the scariness of jail is supposed to prevent crime. That's how our model's set up. So we have incredible maximum security prisons, solitary confinement. We have desert tent jails in Arizona. We have all these things. We have the death penalty. Because, well, if uh, you don't want this bad stuff to happen to you, you'll be a good citizen. I have a problem with that system. And I know I've gone like way off the left. Most people are talking about race and justice. And I think, but the, the problem is, I'm going to bring it back to this in a little bit after I explain this, this justice system deal. The problem I have with our justice system is that breeds fear, that breeds bitterness. Oh, but it's supposed to breed fear. Okay. But what if I live in an area with very limited economic mobility, very limited economic opportunity, horrible education, and the only way I can 
experience any kind of security or freedom is if I get involved in some illegal activity. Then what? Now, of course, I have to see the police as my bitter enemy because I can't be free. I can't be successful, quote unquote, right? This is how I'm understanding this. And this is, I, I, I agree with, with a lot of what people are saying when it comes to, uh, you know, the, uh, minority groups. They, you know, generally speaking, African-Americans live in lower income areas. That's a problem. We have a problem with that. If you're not going to provide economic opportunity and mobility, what's left? What's left? That, so th- this is a problem that we need to address as a nation. And as, as Christians, if we're going to call ourselves the promoters of the common good, upholding human dignity, if we call ourselves pro-life, that includes the opportunities that, are, that exist uh, for our brothers and sisters. And because of, you know, we're, we're still very young in terms of the, the civil rights um, fallout. Fallout's a bad word. But the, 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 after, the aftermath or the after the the civil rights movement, it's not really done. You know, sure, in terms of the law, we've gotten rid of segregation. We've gotten rid of all that. Jim Crow's done, right? But the consequences of those laws still exist in a lot of places. Like I said, generally speaking, African Americans tend to live in lower income places as a result of redlining that happened decades ago where, they, where, where African Americans couldn't buy homes in the suburbs. So where do they end up? In the inner cities. In the quote-unquote ghettos. That's a result of systemic racism. That's a result of our legal system that those are consequences we haven't dealt with. We're very slowly beginning to deal with them Minorities are in, in, in greater numbers are moving to the suburbs. That's fantastic. But we still have issues, mainly economic ones. And so we need to address this economic justice system I talked about. We need to move from a, from a scary model. Well, we'll just scare the crime out of them. No, that's not going to work because their economic opportunities are terrible. So good luck. And we need to move to a more rehabilitative model. That's a more Christian model. Seeking forgiveness, seeking understanding, and seeking ways to reconcile. Sending a person to a cement box for a couple years, depending on the crime, several, several decades. (laughs) And then, all right, you're free. Good luck. What is that? That's not forgiveness. That's not pro-life. That's not caring for your brother and sister. That's not family. We need to fix that. 
Economic opportunities, we need to fix that. Education opportunities, we need to fix that. We have a lot of things to fix if we're going to address this race issue. Because it's not just people hating people based on their skin color. It's deeper than that. Most people in America are not openly bigoted. That's not the problem. It's the systemic issues that are consequences of our past societal setup, let's say. You know, we went from slavery to Jim Crow. Okay, we got rid of those. But the effects, you can get rid of a law all day. But that doesn't magically build houses in the suburbs for people that have been pushed to the ghettos, quote unquote. That doesn't magically give people job opportunities, education opportunities. The way we fund our schools, at least in Ohio, the lower income areas have worse off schools because it's based off of you know, property tax, etc. So because those properties are valued less, there's less revenue for the schools, therefore less quality schools. And a lot of the pay goes to, or a lot of the money goes to paying teachers well to keep them there. And so there's not much money left to, to do anything else. This is a, these are systemic issues that reach deep. So if you only, you know, deal, I love, you know, I love seeing the cute, you know, you're not born racist. We got the two toddlers hugging and it's cute. You know, one's white and one's black and they're laughing and it's great. That's cute. That's wonderful. But that's not the issue. Sure. Does that type of racism still exist? Yes. Are there people that hate people because of their skin color? Yes. You're never going to get rid of that. The, the bigger issue is the, are the systemic ones. Housing, economic opportunity, justice system, all those. If we address those, that surface level racism where people just hate people because they're a different color than them, won't matter anymore. It'll exist and it's terrible, but it won't matter anymore. It triggers us now because the systemic stuff we haven't dealt with. So how do we, I've I've rambled for 18 minutes now, how do we address this? As as Christians, Catholics, people of goodwill, how do we address this? Like I said, America is the most developed and free society on the planet. You, You know, because of the level of our individualism. We can own firearms, the likes of which people in other countries only dream of owning. You know, we can choose career paths. We can live in various places because our economy is, is in a much better place. So opportunities in general are greater than in other countries. It's not as structured. Like in other countries, the school system is specifically structured. You're either in the trade lane, the college lane, or the labor force lane. And you're just, you know, it's, we're a lot more free. And with that comes a lot of more, a lot more responsibility. I get that. And that's precisely what I've been addressing. That means we really have to make sure that the economic opportunities are available for everyone. Education is available for everyone. Because if it's not, that's where you get these problems. 
and you factor in our terrible history with racism, that's a recipe for disaster. With great freedom comes great responsibility. So as Christians, Catholics, people of goodwill, how do we address this? Well, we look at our government. What has our government been doing? Or what should they do? Right? It's both ways. <coughs> should they be doing more or should they be doing less? I think in some places they should be doing more and in some places they should do less. And the way we determine that is by people exercising their right to vote, by people exercising their First Amendment right to free speech and, and protest and religion, and then people taking that, those rights seriously and holding their, uh, our elected leaders accountable. We allow money to win. We allow the advertisements on TV to, to tell us who to vote for. We allow the, the ads on the social medias to tell us to, who to vote for. The major news, we listen to them and we're like robots. Vote for this person. Okay. No, that's stupidity. You hear that cliche term every election cycle. Well, we get the government we deserve. It's so true, though. If we don't take these rights seriously and we don't take the responsibility of making sure opportunities are available to everybody seriously, this, this is what happens. This is what happens. The protests. I have nothing. No, Morally speaking, there's nothing wrong with a protest. But then you get this, this minority of people within these protests that are agitators. You've seen the videos. I've seen the videos. They're out there. White, black, doesn't matter. They see this as an opportunity just to cause problems. So they're smashing windows, destroying businesses, burning buildings. And all that does is discredit the legitimate protesters. And that's terrible. And I think as a country, we have to be smarter and realize that that's what's happening and not just discredit the entire protest because these, these agitators take advantage of it. It's, we need to be smarter. We need to, need to be more focused on community. It starts at local government. Then eventually, if, if, local, if people are involved in their local governments, because that's where you basically breed the state and federal elected officials, generally speaking, if we have good local officials, eventually we'll have good state and federal officials. You got to start somewhere. If we're going to love our neighbor... We have to not be afraid of looking at the systemic issues that might be hurting our neighbor. Sure. I don't think, you know, anyone's less than I do because of their skin color. That's fantastic. But what's your voting record? Is it based on what the media or what ads are telling you? Or is it based on research that you did on you know, policies that these politicians want to put in place or their voting record on different legislation or, you know, what they, uh, what they advocate for. 
And then if they didn't meet what you wanted, did you hold them accountable by not reelecting them? The, fa- the fact that we don't hold people accountable, we just vote for them because they have an R or a D next to their name, only makes the problem worse. And that's a whole other podcast episode I could go into about our bipolar politics because we only have two substantial parties. Stupid. So as Christians, Catholics, people of goodwill, we need to not be afraid to address these systemic issues. We do that by listening to what these issues are, by researching what they are and how they came to be, and then using our civic duty of voting or a right. You don't, shouldn't be forced to vote. But using that right to vote and becoming involved in our government, becoming involved in our communities, that's how we'll address it. Being an individual... And putting, you know, virtue stuff on social media isn't doing anything. Nothing. We got to be better. We got to be better. And with that, that's been a serious one today, but it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. We have to stop escaping from this stuff. It needs to be addressed. So with all that said, love God and love neighbor. My goodness, do we need to do that. Peace.